Father God, thanks so much for your grace and for uh, your goodness to us. Thank you that, uh, that you are steadfast, that you are uh, faithful, uh, that you are good. Uh, Lord, I thank you that your word is true, that it's living and active, that it's not some ancient document that just tells a history story that happened long ago, that your word is living and active, and that when it goes out, it doesn't return void. And so, Lord, I pray in faith toward that this morning. I pray that your word would go out, that it wouldn't uh, return void. I pray that you would sharpen us and change us, and I pray that you would do it uh, for your namesake. God, we love you. We thank you so much uh, for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, I, uh, I don't love controversy. I don't love controversy. Uh, some people uh, love a good fight, right? Some people, they're, they're energized by it. They love debating. I, I was on the debate team in high school. My claim to fame was that I won an award for top debater. Thank you. So I've done a little debating in my day. When Melissa and I first started dating, I was still debating until she looked at me and said, I ain't going to fight you. And so I stopped debating. <laughs> but other people love it. They love a, a, a good discussion, a, a heated discussion. They love making their voice uh, be heard and their opinion be made known. Uh, if at all possible, um, I kind of at a point in life where I like to avoid that. But I'm, I'm more of a fan of like a big group hug. Like, let's, let's come together and just hug it out. It'll be okay, right? I'm a lover, not a fighter. And so you can imagine I'm excited this morning uh, to talk to you about politics and religion. <laughs> ah, this is going to be fun. Uh, it's just, I mean, it happens to be here in Mark 12. And so if you have your Bible, please uh, turn with me to Mark 12. I want to ask a question this morning. How should I relate uh, to a government, a human government, when I don't agree with it, or I don't like it, or I don't see eye to eye uh, with it. Or, uh, to state it another way, how does God's word call us to respond if we don't like certain policies, or certain politicians, or certain uh, presidents? Like, how do we, how do we function in uh, this world where uh, it seems like more and more conversations about politics in particular have a tendency uh, to be pretty heated and pretty charged. Like how, how does God call us uh, to live uh, in a world where we are, are under an imperfect uh, human government? He helps answer that question uh, in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. This is the second of five controversies that Jesus faces from the end of Mark 11 uh, through Mark 12. Uh, Mark 12, 13 reads, And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Uh, should we pay them or should we not? So the Pharisees and the Herodians, two uh, very different groups of people, uh, come to Jesus and ask uh, him a question. But they ask him a question 
not because they're interested in his answer so much. They ask him a question because uh, they want to trap him. Uh, these two groups of people, the Herodians and the Pharisees, uh, could not be further apart on the political spectrum. Uh, one commentary suggests that the Pharisees would have been similar uh, to the right-wing conservatives of that day. They were, they were a religious group of people. Uh, the Herodians uh, would have been the liberals or uh, left-wingers, advocates of a big government. You can imagine, <laughs> I think, that these two people did not like each other. Right? As a matter of fact, they hated one another. And Jesus does something miraculous. He brings them together. And the way that he brings them together is they both don't like Jesus, right? So they come to Jesus and they try to trap him. The word a trap here in Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 13, has the idea of hunting. It is this violent pursuit to try to catch something. Well, they're, they're trying to trap Jesus in his words. Luke chapter 20, verse 20 says, They watched closely and sent spies who pretended to be righteous so they could catch him in what he said to hand him over to the governor's rule and authority. So again, this isn't just a couple folks that are going, hey, help me understand where you stand on some political issues. It's, it's not someone who comes up to Jesus and goes, hey, I'm, I'm not really sure what I think or what I believe about uh, those who are in authority. Help Help me gain some understanding. Instead, it's a group of people who have it out for Jesus. Right? They, they basically don't care a whole lot about his response. Uh, they're trying to trap him. Uh, they, they want uh, to snuff out Jesus or destroy Jesus or disparage Jesus. Uh, but, but they don't really care a whole lot about Jesus. And yet, you wouldn't know it by their words. Now, do you notice how they describe Jesus when they approach him? Look at Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 14. It says, they came to him and said, teacher, uh, we know that you are true and you do not care about anyone's opinion uh, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. And that's kind of cool. I mean, if, if someone said that about you, or if someone said that about me, I would say that that's kind of high praise. Right? What you speak is true. The words that Jesus spoke were not just true. He was truth. He was the very definition of truth. And so these leaders of the day come to him and they say, Jesus, we know that you are true. That's high praise. Uh, they say, we know that you don't care about anyone's opinion. <laughs> Could you imagine what it would be like to live life like that? Right? To, to not be swayed by the crowd. Uh, to, to not say things to, to try to win folks over. Uh, to try to not have to be included with uh, the in crowd. Imagine the, the freedom that we would experience if it, if it didn't really matter what the crowd felt or what they thought. Uh, but, but we were firmly planted. We knew what we believed. And yet oftentimes, right, this is not our experience. 
Have you ever, ever had one of those experiences before where you're in a crowd and a decision needs to be made and you're kind of thinking, I think we should go this way, I think we should go this way, and then all of a sudden there's a group of people that are like, I think we should go over here, and they're like, I want to go over there, and you're like, yeah, yeah, let's go over there, let's go over there. I mean, you're just like, you were here and now you're here. We're easily swayed. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Did you ever hear something before and go, Yeah, yeah, that's good. I agree with that. They're right. I believe that. And then you hear the rebuttal. And you go, Oh, (laughs) Wait, wait a second. That <laughs> kind of sounds compelling too. And Jesus wasn't like that. He wasn't, he wasn't wishy-washy. He wasn't looking at his approval numbers. And he said what, he was, what was true. He was not swayed by anyone's opinion. It says that Jesus was not swayed by appearances. Jesus was not swayed by appearances, right? Image is everything. No, it's not. No, it's not. In in a world that says, hey, optics, optics are everything. How something looks to others, that's a big deal. Jesus wasn't like that. He he didn't say things or do things or make decisions based on how it would look for the crowds around him. He wasn't moved by appearances. He wasn't moved uh, by the optics. He he didn't make decisions simply based on a surface-level feeling of of what he saw. Like How many times are we swayed by something that we see and we start piecing together a story and we've figured it out? All of a sudden, we, we turn into Sherlock Holmes and we start connecting the dots and we're going, well, I saw this and they said that and... You start, you've come together with your story. You've figured it out because of appearances, because of something you saw. Well, Jesus was not swayed by appearances. They said of Jesus that Jesus taught the way of God. He taught the way of God. His, his teaching wasn't simply some man-made thing that he made up. He didn't Google it and try to decide what he thought or what he felt about a particular topic or subject. He simply wasn't taking the thoughts of some significant teachers of the day or of those who had come before him and repackaging it and sharing it with the crowds. No, he, he taught the words of God. Man, that is a glowing report if you ask me. Someone comes up to me and says, I I know your words are true. You're not swayed by uh, appearances. You don't care about the court of public opinion. I know that you teach the way of God. Who knows, man? That would would be wonderful uh, if that were said of me. It would be wonderful if it was said of you. And here's the thing. They said it to Jesus, and they did not believe a word of it. Didn't believe a word of it. Uh, It was hot air. It was hot air. They didn't believe those things that they were saying to Jesus. They came to Jesus to trap him. They didn't care about Jesus. Now they, they, they wanted uh, to see the end of Jesus. 
And yet when they came up uh, to Jesus, they had words of flattery. They just flowed out of their mouth. One nice thing after the next. I was watching a video the other day of one of the World Series games, and an an old manager on one of the teams that was playing uh, went out to throw the first pitch. Uh, Tommy Lasorda. I can say his name because I don't think he listens to the podcast. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, he's like 92, 93 years, years old. And he, and he came out to throw the first pitch, and it went like four feet in front of him. I mean, it was, I looked at him, I'm like, oh man, Tommy doesn't, just honestly, he just doesn't look good. He's 94, and the, the announcer on SportsCenter goes, there's Tommy Lasorda. Well, he looks great. And I'm like, no, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Like, those are just, it's just words of flattery. So when they're like, Jesus, your words are true. You're true. They're words from God. You're not swayed by, they're just, it's blowing hot air. Psalm 5 Verse 9 says, For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Proverbs 26, 28, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 29, 5, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And we are not to be a people uh, who operate in such a way where we, we speak words that we don't mean. Where we congratulate when we shouldn't congratulate. Where we say well done when we shouldn't say well done. They call Jesus teacher, a title of respect, even though they have no respect for him. Uh, they tell him that they know he is truthful, even though uh, they will crucify him as a blasphemer. They're not out to compliment Jesus. They're out to crucify Jesus. Jesus sees right through it, though. It says in Mark chapter 12, verse 15, But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, well, Why put me to the test? Why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Jesus has a way of cutting through empty words, right? He, he takes no time calling them out. Knowing their hypocrisy. He asked for, for a coin. The, the leaders uh, asked about paying taxes. This was a, a reference to a Roman tax that uh, the Jews were required uh, to pay. Right? And they hated paying it because it reminded them that they were under the authority of Rome. And so it just, it just drove them nuts. They're paying this tax to this government that they don't agree with that they hate, you know, they're under their thumb. And you can imagine every time they give over their tax, they're just going, oh, it's driving me nuts. So they're asking Jesus, uh, should, should we pay it or shouldn't we? Well, if Jesus says pay it, then the Jews go, oh, right. Ruling authority over us, and you want us to bow down to their leadership. You want us to give over our resources and pay them a tax. Well, if Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't pay them. Don't pay them. Who are they to take what's yours? 
Then Rome goes, excuse me? <laughs> That's ours. They, they need to pay that. So what they're trying to do is ask Jesus a question where there's, there's no good answer for it. In fact, his answer is potentially deadly. Right? They ask him a question to trap him. It's like asking someone, do you still cheat on your taxes? Right? You can't answer that. No, no, I still don't cheat. I mean, I, no, no, I don't. Yes, no, no, I don't. Like, you're, you're caught. There's no good answer. And so they ask Jesus a question where, where there's no good answer. Listen, not every question that we ask is fair. Uh, and not every answer uh, that is given is black or white, yes or no, clean and easy. But it's not. Like, I, I wish everything in life was, was always like, it's either this or this, A or B, one or two, black or white, but it doesn't work like that. Right? We, 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 we live in a, in a broken and fallen world, and so oftentimes there, there are layers uh, to, to issues uh, that we need to grapple with and understand. There, there is a nuance uh, to a line of thinking or of thought that as a people we wrestle with. I'm not, I'm not saying that there are not things in life that are right or wrong or black and white. I, I'm just saying life is it's messy. Right? And so our interactions with others, it's important for us uh, to remember that there are, are layers, that there's nuance to ideas and thoughts. They asked Jesus a question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But it says in verse 14, but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought him one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Right, so Jesus asked the question, why are you testing me? It's the same word used in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And what they're asking Jesus is not just wrong. I mean, it's demonic. Right, they're trying to trap him. But Jesus shares a brilliant answer. Right, he asked the question, he says, whose inscription is on uh, this coin, this denarius? It was a, typical of a day's wages. And on one side of that denarius, there was a picture of Tiberius Caesar with the inscription, Tiberius Caesar Augustus, son of the divine Augustus. Right, and on the other side, the opposite side, there was uh, an image of Tiberius' mother uh, with the words that meant high priest. So Jesus looked at this coin and they said, on, on one hand, there is someone who is claiming to be divine, claiming to be God on one side of the coin. And on the other side of the coin, there is, there is a woman who claims to be high priest. And so you can imagine, like, this is eaten away at them. And they're going, what? We hate this. We hate this. And Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And give to God uh, what is God's. By his reply, Jesus acknowledges the legitimacy of human government. He says, well, you, you, you live 
In this world where, where leaders and authorities and a government has been, been placed over you, they, they have the right to tax you and you have a responsibility uh, to pay them. They have the right to, to make laws and you have the responsibility uh, to, to follow them. Un- understand this is coming in a time in history where there, there's not exactly a godly leader calling the shots. I mean, Nero, have you studied Nero? Not a nice man. Right? You don't want him to come over for dinner. But it's, it's not easy to navigate through that world. And yet Jesus is saying, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. This isn't a blanket statement to, uh, to, to, to be foolish or ignorant or to do or say whatever someone in position of, of authority tells you to do or say. Jesus isn't saying you should never ask questions or you should never push back or you should never go, wait a second, that's not right. Instead, Jesus is reminding the people that God has placed you under the authority of particular individuals and governments, and so you should obey them. But he also says, not just submit to Caesar's what is Caesar's, he says submit to God's what is God? So four things that we can learn uh, from this passage. The, the first is to submit to those who are in authority. Submit to those who are in authority. They have been ordained by God to be in the situation that they are in. It, it didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by accident. God is sovereign over the universe. Right? And so your mayor or your, your governor or your board or your senate or... President, I mean, just fill in the blank. That didn't just happen. The sovereign hand of God brought folks to where they are. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 17 reads, Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those who are sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As God's slaves, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And there's some significant applications in there for you and for me. Secondly, we learn that we should be involved Uh, in the political process. We should be involved in the political process. We have a a unique privilege to vote in a week-ish. A vote. We we live in a place where we have a voice. And so let your voice be heard. And if you feel like God has called you in the political arena, then pursue the political arena. Like we, we don't have to close our eyes and put our fingers in our ears and go, ah, I don't want to hear any of it. Sometimes that's tempting to do. Sometimes it's tempting for me to do. Like I just get bogged down by just the, the weight and the arguing and the ugliness, and I'm going, I don't want that. And yet we find ourselves in a unique position where we have an opportunity to let our voices be heard. We should let our voices be heard. Third, we should remember that our ultimate allegiance and our ultimate hope is in God. Um, 
Acts 4, 19 through 20, Peter and John say, whatever is right uh, in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about uh, what we have seen and heard. Acts 5, 29, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Uh, in, in other words, when it, when it comes down to be uh, to, to being obedient to a voice that is contrary uh, to Scripture or a, a voice that spoke Scripture. Um, we, we listen to God. Right? Ultimately, we belong to Him. Our, our hope, your hope and my hope, your hope and my hope is not in who is president. It's not... I know we're passionate about that. I know we have our views and our perspectives on that. All of us do. And we have our reasons for that. That, like, that, is, that is not our hope. Right? God is our hope. We are foreigners and aliens in this land. Right? This is not our home. And if you live life longing uh, for this to be your home, you and I will be disappointed. We will ultimately be devastated because it will fail. It won't be perfect. And we will see the brokenness in our leaders as we see the brokenness in ourselves. And because we see the brokenness, lastly, we should pray for the leaders that God has placed over us. Uh, even if uh, that person is not your person, uh, even if that man is not your man, even if that woman is not uh, your woman, even if, if that person is not your political bent or your political party. Uh, scripture says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 2, first of all then, uh, I urge that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And I, I pray that uh, for our government. I pray that for our leaders. I pray that for our churches. Right, let's, let's pray for the people of God that God has put in a leadership position. Pray that they would lead in, in such a way that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. That sounds appealing to me. All right, so let's pray toward that end. Would you pray with me? Father, your, your word's pretty clear that, uh, that you have, have placed us under the authority of, of imperfect uh, human uh, governors and government. And so I, I pray that you would help us uh, as followers of Jesus to navigate that well. Help us to be uh, truth tellers and truth sayers, truth communicators uh, in a culture where that is becoming increasingly uh, more challenging. Lord, I, I pray that we would be obedient to the command that we find in Scripture uh, to pray for those who are in authority over us, uh, e even when perhaps we disagree or even don't like uh, who that person is. And so, Lord, I pray toward that end 
now. Lord, I, I pray for our leaders here in our community, in Cabarrus County, in Mecklenburg County, and uh, in our state, and in our country. Lord, I, I pray that, uh, that they would be men and women of justice. I pray that their, their rule would be uh, fair and equitable. I pray for massive amounts of humility, maybe even when there is none. Lord, I pray that you would grant them wisdom to make the difficult decisions. Lord, when we are frustrated, when we disagree, when we're disappointed, remind us uh, that we serve King Jesus. He is our hope. Uh, he is our life. God, we love you. We really love you, Lord. We're so crazy about you. Thank you for loving us first. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.